welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 88. My name is Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week I've been playing Back for Blood, the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. And I've also been checking out the much-hyped Wildermyth, a D&D style RPG. I've also been checking out a couple of indie gems in Growbot and Nuclear Blaze. Plus, I'm going to recap all the announcements of the recent Sony State of Play. So as always, it's a jam-packed show. Let's get to it. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you've had a good week. And I'm good this week. I'm literally recording this on the 31st of October, 2021. And the nights are drawing in. The clocks went back and it's getting dark about 5 p.m. It's, uh, it's quite sad, really. But that does mean once Halloween is out of the way, we've got Christmas to look forward to. And Christmas, that means presents. And presents, that could mean a lot of games and maybe some consoles. So, it's been a busy week of gaming this week, and as we're coming into a busy time with plenty of holiday releases coming out soon, when Nintendo launched their expansion pack for Nintendo Switch Online, making Mega Drive or Sega Genesis for our American friends, and also N64 games available on the service for the first time. Now, I'm really looking forward to jumping back into Ocarina of Time, plus you've got loads of other good stuff in there, there's Mario Tennis, Super Mario 64... And on the Sega side, well, you've got Strider, you've got Streets of Rage 2, there's Sonic 2, there's loads and loads and loads of good stuff to jump in there. Well, Sony was back this week with a state of play, although this one was a rather low-key state of play and focused on third-party titles rather than the Sony first parties. Still, there were some good announcements in there and I'll round up everything later on in the show. But before we've got into what I've been playing, I've got another podcast review to read out. And if you want to be featured at the start of the show in the review section, then write a review via Apple Podcasts or check out the link in the description of the podcast itself. Leave a review and I'll read it out in the coming weeks. So this one here is from Paul456 and it says, Just stumbled across this really enjoyable and enthusiastic presenter. Looking forward to get my weekly gaming updates in a short and snappy podcast. And that was five stars. So thanks, Paul456. Hope you're doing well. And thank you very much for the review. Before we get into the show, I wanted to plug the podcast Patreon, and you can send in your questions and your stories for community questions by signing up to Patreon. So for as little as $2 a month, you can sign up to become a patron, you can access exclusive Discord rooms, send your questions and your comments to read out on the This Week in Video Games podcast, and also access exclusive content, and you get early access too. There's plenty of benefits over there on Patreon, plus you get to support the show and help This Week in Video Games become a little bit more self-sufficient. Well, that is it for my rambly intro this week, but next up, let's have a look at what I've been playing this week. Well, this week I've been playing Back 4 Blood, and it's from the same team that brought us Left 4 Dead all those years ago. I've been playing it solo, and also with friends as well. It's definitely better if you can get a group together, so I'd recommend doing that if you can. I'm going to bring you my review of that one first up in the show. I've also been playing Wildermyth, a deep and complex RPG and it may just be one of the best games of the year so far. And if you're into D&D-style RPG campaigns, then you're going to really, really love this game. I've also been on Indie Kick in the past few weeks too, with a couple of new releases that caught my eye, including Nuclear Blaze, and that one comes from one of the team at Motion Twin, who made Dead Cells, so it really caught my eye immediately. And then I've been playing Growbot. So Nuclear Blaze started life as a game jam game, and you take on the role of a firefighter against a deadly fire. Whereas Growbot is a point-and-click adventure, 
It's great to see that game release since I had a chat with the developer Lisa back in 2020. So big shout out to you, Lisa. I hope you're doing really, really well. And I really wish you a fantastic release and all the successful Growbot. Well, first of all, today, let's dive into my thoughts on Back 4 Blood. Back for Blood is a new zombie first-person shooter from the team that brought us Left for Dead and after many years away, the dev team has largely come back together and Back for Blood picks up right where they left off and also includes a nice card-based system for different boons and effects in-game. It's frantic, it's bloody and it's a whole lot of fun too. So the most fun I've had with Back for Blood is with a group of friends, getting them on Discord and running through levels, all slaying zombies as we go. So the game offers up a great campaign mode that can also be played solo, but I found it pretty mundane when compared with the hectic nature of hordes of zombies running at you with three other friends. It's also really tough, you know, you may think adding in other players makes it easier, but it doesn't and you have to pay careful attention to your weapons, your ammo, your health, and also there's modifiers via the cards plus coordinate with your team to be a success. So you literally run the zombie gauntlet early in one level, and if you don't coordinate, then you're going to be absolute toast. Well, the gameplay itself is fairly self-explanatory. You're stuck in various locations full of zombies, and it's your job to get to a safe room across the other side of the map, hopefully taking out as many zombies as possible along the way. And there's a variety of zombies trying to eat you, from your standard walking zombies, large exploding ones, tall boys... Plus you've got ones that spit poison. The story is present, but not very memorable. I don't really think that matters too much. Now, this is standard zombie action, and it's all about killing as many ridden as possible, as ridden are the name of the zombies in the game. The game leans on that gameplay and bets on the satisfaction of that gameplay loop, so if you're looking for a deep and meaningful zombie story, this game probably isn't for you. Now, Back for Blood can feel a little bit relentless at times, there's not a lot of quiet moments as you try and navigate the landscape, and more often than not, you'll be contending with hordes of ridden. You know, on one hand, it can be very satisfying to carve through hundreds of zombies. On the other hand, the game can be very, very action-focused, and it doesn't really let up. You know, it would have been nice to have a few more quiet moments where you creep through environments and maybe have more horror elements to the story, but the developers chose action. I could definitely see why they did this, but often I came away from a Back for Bud session feeling quite tired and worn rather than looking forward to the next session. Now, I did mention before the fun I had with friends, I split my playtime roughly 50-50 between multiplayer and single player. So when I did play solo, it's not as fun as you'd want it to be, and you're constantly reminded about multiplayer. And the game doesn't do a great job of filling your lobby with other human players, and you end up with a team of bots who aren't really that clever. So for example, I was running through a level only to find one of my bot buddies just standing in a kitchen, shooting at a wall, when they could have been helping out fighting off the waves of Ridden trying to kill their teammates. You know, up until this point, the game is all very familiar, with Turtle Rock Studios sticking to the Left 4 Dead script. However, they have introduced a really nice card system that adds lots of interesting modifiers to your game. And this system really makes Back 4 Blood stand apart from Left 4 Dead, and over time, I've come to really like it. It's all a bit confusing at first. There is a bit of a learning curve when it comes to the cards and how you sync up with other teammates, plus the hierarchy of the cards themselves and also how they work. So the cards allow you to spec and to build types in meaningful ways. For example, you can carry a gun by default or you may want to have cards relating to ammo. Or if you want to go in with melee weapons, then you can do or something similar. You know, Paired up with creating great builds, the cards allow you to generally boost cleaner stats like health, damage and stamina. 
and everyone begins with a starter pack to get you going, but as you play the game you collect different cards which allow you to customise your deck, and in turn they affect your playstyle. So as well as cards affecting your character, weapons and stats, they also have an effect on the environment. For example, don't disturb the crows or you're going to alert the horde, plus there's also other environmental effects, like decreasing the visibility or increasing the power or changing the type of ridden that attack you. Now, it keeps the game fresh and offers that plenty of variety, and it's a pretty nice modern spin on the formula that this team pretty much came up with in the first place. So, Turtle Rock Studios could have played it ultra safe and simply emulated Left 4 Dead, but this shows they want to innovate and push the genre forward, and I think it's one of the game's biggest success stories. So, complementing the PvE campaign and the multiplayer co-op is a PvP mode where humans face off against the Horde, and some players play as humans and others play as zombies. So for me, this is probably the least satisfying mode in the game. It didn't flow very well, and it wasn't very exciting, and I stopped playing after a short amount of time. Now, I would love to see PvP where humans face off against other humans while having to deal with PvE component like the Ridden at the same time. And it does sound something very similar like you do in Destiny with a game mode called Gambit, and I definitely think it would work. However, for now, this is what we've got, and I'm not a big fan. But give it a try, see if you like it, I'd say the majority of my playtime was spent in the PvE mode, and ideally that was with friends. You know, Back for Blood is a solid shooter, the guns feel great, it's satisfying to cut through waves of Ridden, but only to a certain extent. You know, the gameplay does feel a bit samey, and I found myself playing in short stints rather than long gameplay sessions. The game is definitely more fun when playing with friends, and I think the fact that this game has crossplay enabled from day one, as well as being on Xbox Game Pass, means the population should stay healthy for quite a while. Now, I'd love to see some quality of life improvements and a better PvP mode, but if you're into killing hordes of zombies while hanging out with your friends, then I could definitely recommend you give Back for Blood a try. Well, the developer was Turtle Rock Studios, and it was published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, so it's available for Xbox Series S and X, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PlayStation 5, and also PC2. It was originally released on the 12th of October, 2021. Well, that is it for my review for Back 4 Blood. But next up, we've got a roundup of the state of play. So Sony were back this week with their latest state of play, and this one was going to focus on indies. So I'll bring you a roundup of that next. So Sony was back this week with a state of play, although this one was more of a low-key affair than normal. So Sony did a pretty good job of setting expectations before the event, and they said they were going to focus on the little devil inside. So today I'm going to have a look at all the games announced in this Sony Indie Partner Showcase. Well, first up we had Deathverse, so similar to something like Running Man. This is a TV show style kill 'em up where you can forge weapons and you've got everything from melee weapons like chainsaws, and also a decent array of guns. Looks pretty bizarre, and it's coming in spring 2022. We Are OFK was up next, and this is a story about a real band. I didn't get that until actually after the trailer. And they start in the game as avatar versions of themselves. So there's dialogue options, romancing, the full works. Now the story's going to play out over five episodes. You're also going to learn the band's origin story, as well as have five songs to play. And this one is coming in 2022. Well, Bug Snacks is getting some free DLC, and this one is called Bug Snacks, the Isle of the Big Snacks. And as the name suggests, bigger Bug Snacks are being added that resemble a mashup between Bug Snacks and Jurassic Park. So this one is coming in early 2022. 
Next up, we were reminded about Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. That one is still coming, although I found that a little bit forgettable, to be honest. That one is coming on December the 16th, 2021. Well, next up, Death Door is coming to PlayStation after a very successful launch on PC and Xbox. It's also coming to Nintendo Switch 2, but this one obviously wasn't announced during the state of play. Personally, I think it would be great on Nintendo Switch, but it is a very good game that is somewhere in my top five games of the year for 2021, so it's great that PlayStation owners can get their hands on it really, really soon. Next up, we had Kart Rider Drift. That's coming to PlayStation 4 in 2022. And this is clearly a Mario Kart-style game, as Sony seems to have noticed that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe being in the top 10 charts every two weeks for the last three years in the UK. That is absolutely right. I don't think it's ever left the top 10. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe continues to sell absolute millions. I think it's past 35 million sales by now. It just continues to be a massive cash cow for Nintendo. Well, back to the state of play. So next up, we had the King of Fighters 15 beta. That was announced for PS4 and PS5. And that one's going to be available in November. So First Class Trouble is also coming, which is another social deduction game similar to Among Us and the Fortnite ripoff of Among Us. So this is in 3D, looking very similar to something like Control, set in the third person. So you play as a human or a robotic personoid, and you have to find out who the personoid is, before they kill everyone. So it is another take on Among Us. And it's definitely going to be interesting to see the take-up of this game. Although this one is coming to PS4, PS5 on the 2nd of November. And it's also going to be made available via PS Plus. So mark that date in the calendar. There's also a new Star Ocean game from Triace coming. And this one is called Star Ocean The Divine Force. Coming to PS4 and PS5 in 2022. Well, the main event of the show was Little Devil Inside. Although it's hard to say from the trailer whether I'm excited for this one. I think I was more excited before the trailer came out, and this seemed to show off travelling around, maybe delivering some items, the main character gets stuck in a haunted mansion, and then there's various scenes of combat. You know, the art style looks really fantastic, although I'm more confused than ever as to what this game is. So at the moment, I still think I want to play it, although I don't think this trailer did the game many favours. You know, no exact release date for this one, other than it's coming to PS4 and PS5. Although the team did provide more info about Little Devil Inside after the trailer via the Sony blog. So the team said, this is our very first reveal of the world map of Little Devil Inside, and our intention was to give you folks a look at how travel works by skipping through a typical mission in the game. Essentially, we tried to create a dynamic miniature-like representation of the world with a tilt-shift effect. Well, during the world map travel view, you'll come across and encounter various events, some are forced, but in most cases you'll have the option to engage or not. Many are just simple interactions that can be performed while remaining in the world map travel view, such as clearing up a roadblock or refueling your vehicle at an oil station. There are, of course, instances where you can zoom in and further into an actual real-time gameplay level, where you can perform all the real-time actions, attend to Billy's needs, and fulfil your mission. And Billy is the protagonist, by the way. So regardless of mission content, you're free to roam the world map. Well, it did look really interesting, but as I say, the trailer was a little bit confused for Little Devil Inside, though I do think I am still going to play it. But let me know down in the comments or sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games, and let me know what you thought of the Sony State of Play for October 2021. Well, that is it for my roundup of the Sony State of Play. Next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. Well, number 10 this week, it's Grand Theft Auto V. And that is holding steady at number 10. And number 9 this week, down 3 places on last week. Number 6 is Marvel's Spider-Man Mars Morales. 
Number eight this week, we're up one place from last week's number nine, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And number seven this week, down four places from last week's number three, it's Metroid Dread. And number six this week is a new entry. This is the Dark Pictures Anthology, The House of Ashes. Number five this week, up two places from last week's number seven, it's Minecraft. And number four, up four places from last week's number eight, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number three this week, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, up two places from last week's number five. And number two this week, it's holding steady at number two, it's Far Cry 6. And still in that number one, it's FIFA 22. So congrats to the team at EA for another successful FIFA release. Well, that is it for the all-platform charts this week, but next up, let's check out my review of Wildermyth. So Wildermyth is a tactics-focused RPG with a procedural narrative, and it's been quietly taking the world by storm. You know, for me, this game was a slow burn, but when it got its hooks into you, it's something that burns very bright and very hot. And in other words, it's really, really good. You know, the heart of the game is a combination of two types of games, a deep and rich RPG experience, where your choices shape the narrative, combined with a satisfying tactics battle system, and this is all wrapped up in a dynamic comic strip art style, and it's likely you're going to lose many hours deep in the world of Wildermyth. You know, during my ill-fated first playthrough, I chose a warrior Mithror, a hunter Logla, and Lonesome, he was a mystic. So you run through the first hour or so in tutorial mode, you're taught the basics of the tactical combat system, and I had to save my friend Logla. So I say friend, but I did have the choice at the start of the battle to run in there and make this a romantic engagement, but I chose friendship to keep things less complicated, to be honest. You know, Logla is trapped in a burning barn, and there's fire and a wild beast trying to kill her, you know, he teamed up, put out the fire, and I slew the beast, and then it was on to the next step of the adventure. You know, after the battle, we got some power-ups and some trinkets, and again, you can make the choice of how to level up your character. So, for example, I can extend my range or my speed or potency of attacks, and each character gets a level-up choice, plus the enemies drop loot, which you can then apply to your character. For example, here, I found a talisman of cunning, and that improved my melee accuracy or my ranged accuracy. So once this was done, it was back to the narrative, which is presented in a comic book style. So my party was on their way to save a third party member called Lonesome, and he was stuck in a tower surrounded by wolves. So I saved him, and then our party was a trio, moved on to the next area. And there's a world map view here, where you can see new areas that are greyed out, and you can send scouting missions to understand the area, or you can comb the area in detail, which usually leads to plenty of resources. So unfortunately, my first playthrough came to an abrupt end as I faced some very powerful enemies that seemed to tear through my party, leaving them all dead in a very short amount of time. Well, the complexity of the game and its reactions to the narrative, they're quite surprising, and I often wonder how they do it with the number of party members and branching narrative choices. For example, my warrior Mithraw, he was in a cave and then he saw a jewel that he liked the look of, and I was offered a choice. I could leave it alone, or I could try and pry it out with my sword and sell it. Well, of course, I tried to pry it out and tried to sell it so I could make some quick money, but unfortunately, the jewel became dislodged and stuck in my eye. Yes, you're hearing that right, my eye. You know, poor old Mithril then had a jewel for an eye, and until my party was unfortunately killed. It did offer up a unique kill ability, though, so when Mithril died, I did have the opt for the jewel to explode on death, dealing extra damage to anyone near me. So this kind of interaction with the environment and my party of characters is pretty surprising and interesting, and I'd love to see how this plays out in other playthroughs. So it sounds complex, but Wildermyth does a very good job of guiding through a series of choices. You know, the game does a great job 
of getting up and running quickly, into battle for a taste of glory, and then clearly explained all the systems. So a lot of the complexity is hidden away, and the presentation is wonderfully simple and enjoyable to read along with. You know, I'm not very good at tactics-based games. I've never have been. You know, I've tried and spectacularly failed in many games like this, but World of Myth manages to make things nice and simple and gives you that freedom on the board more than other tactics games, plus it eases you into battle in the early rounds, helping build your confidence when you go into battles. So it does take some getting used to, but if you're a fan of games like Fire Emblem, XCOM or Wargroove, then I would recommend Wildermyth. So on the surface, the game may seem complex and impenetrable. However, I wouldn't worry about that too much. I'd just dive right in there and start enjoying myself. You know, the setting is medieval and it's classic Dungeons and Dragons style gameplay. You form a party, make narrative choices and go off on an adventure. The narrative is wonderfully deep and rich, and combined with the illustrated presentation and the music, it all makes for an excellent package. The narrative, the choices, the upgrades all lead you towards the battle, and Wildermyth's core is a tactical RPG which emulates some of the best features of XCOM, including the two-turn battle system. So this makes things a little bit more flexible as you can move and attack or do a double move, so I found the system much more approachable than the single-turn tactics games, so the two-turn system is all the basics you need to know, and each party member takes a turn and then the enemies get to attack. You know, avoid death and work towards victory and you're done, and the loop will be yours. Well, the basics of battle are simple, however there's plenty of room for complex and engaging battles. So when you start a battle, you get dropped onto the board, and that varies each time. So the characters there are represented as 2D paper-thin style characters on a 3D board, and looks very similar to a pop-up book, and it reminds me of another great tactics game called Pendragon, by Inkle Studios. Enemies aren't revealed until you discover them, meaning you're going to have to carefully tread your way around the board. Be careful not to get too close to the action. So there's different weapons, classes, abilities and magic that can affect the outcome of battle and Mystic's abilities to involve the environment really comes in handy. For example, you can use fire and rocks and use them as projectiles towards enemies in an effort to give you the upper hand. And like a good game of chess, peace placement is key to victory understanding how the pieces move. So attack enemies from the side for greater damage, or combine with your allies to create a stronger defence. There's plenty of complexity in the battle system that reveals itself over the hours of gameplay, and it's something that takes practice to get really good at. You know, take on enemies in battle, get more powerful, and so quickly you're going to become a party and a force to be reckoned with in Wildermyth. Well, the action is playing out on a combination of 2D and 3D. However, there's a weight to the combat and a feeling to the game, which is much more satisfying than any other tactics game I've played. You're going to want to get through the battle for the loot, but also the narrative and the choices, they are incentive enough, and Wildermyth has figured out a wonderful gameplay loop that's going to motivate you and keep you coming back for more, even when your party dies and you've got to start over. There's plenty of loot to act as an incentive, including armour, weapons and support items too, and as you win your battles, you're going to level up your party, and each character can spec into a different playstyle, plus complement each other in a variety of combinations. So Wolf Call is a good example where after a kill, allies gain plus two speed for their following turn or arches where your mage will bond with the earth and summon trees that are going to pin your enemies to the floor. So campaigns, they can vary in length. For example, you've got three acts for a short campaign or five acts for a longer one. You can select a pre-made campaign with a narrative outline or you could choose a different procedural story mean the campaigns, they're always going to feel different, and that is the beauty of Wildermyth. You can play over and over again, and the likelihood of you getting the same thing twice is very slim, 
So selecting party members for the campaigns also feels like a series of important decisions. You've got your warriors, your mages, your hunters. You've also got their personality traits they are important too. You know, will you have a compassionate greed wagon or a bookish snark? Or are you going to have an aloof intellectual? You know, playthroughs of campaigns with different personalities all add up to the variety. Wildermyth is deep and complex, but the narrative output is fantastic and really draws you in to keep you playing. And at the heart of the game is an RPG tactics game. So if you like this kind of gameplay, then I'd recommend diving in. This is definitely one of 2021 surprises. And for me, it came out of nowhere. And thank you to the good folks of Posthorn PR for providing a code for review. Well, the game was developed by World Walker Games. It was published by World Walker Games and Whisper Games. It's available on PC via Steam, and it was originally released in early access on the 13th of November, 2019. Well, that is it for my review of Wildermyth. Really, really fantastic stuff. Definitely recommend jumping into that one. But next up, let's dive into an indie gem, and this time, it's Growbot. Growbot is a charming new point-and-click adventure where you play as a small robot trying to figure out why a home is under attack. There's puzzles, discovery, and an adventure in this gorgeous-looking new adventure. So in Growbot, you play as Nara, a robot in training who's looking to become a captain of a ship. The environment is very floral, and you're based on a space station filled with weird and wonderful characters to talk to, as well as puzzles to solve. But unfortunately, your space station is under attack by a strange crystalline force, it's up to Nara to find out what's going on, and ultimately save the day. Well, Growbot is a classic point-and-click adventure-style game where you direct Nara around the screen with a click of the mouse, and the pointer is contextual so you can interact with the environment, find items, and combine them together to solve puzzles. You know, the UI layout is nice and simple, not cluttering up the screen at all, and leaving you plenty of room to see what's going on at all times. You have a small inventory where you can store items and combine things together, but overall, it's got a very clean feeling, and it supports the gorgeous illustration found in this game. Well, the key to the game is to wander around the environment, speak to all the characters, collect items, and then solve the puzzles to progress. You know, it very much follows in the footsteps of the point-and-click formula without deviating too much. So the differentiator with Growbot is the stunning visuals, and they are presented in a hand-drawn, illustrated style. And it's like a children's book has come alive, and it reminded me of Fantastical Worlds created by Eni Blyton. Now, hats off to the designer-developer, it's absolutely stunning. So a nice little feature included is using the spacebar to highlight all interactable objects in a room, and sometimes in games like this you can get stuck into a dead end or a corner, but the highlight feature keeps things nice and simple. Now overall in Growbot the puzzles aren't too tricky, and it keeps the story flowing at a good pace. You know, I never felt stuck. I didn't feel confused, and I felt like the game clearly explained what I had to do next, and I never felt frustrated. In the world of Growbot, you're on a space station that's being protected by six ships, and these ships together form a shield to protect the main station in the middle, and Nara wants to become captain of one of these ships. Well, the shields that protect the main station, they're powered by flowers, and each flower had its own musical note, something which you're going to need to be in tune with as this helps solve puzzles. So I really enjoyed the musical flower puzzle solver mechanic, and it makes the game stand out from the crowd. You can have to craft shields within flower arrangers to open locks, and they often hide keys and items which you need to progress. So you have to find the flowers, learn their notes, and then work with the flower arrangers to solve the riddles. It's a really neat mechanic and something best experienced.
There's a good variety of puzzles in Growbot, you know, from your standard finding items and then combining them with the right trigger in the environment, plus the musical puzzles, and there's also a deviously difficult maze puzzle too. The developer has catered for those who aren't great at puzzles by providing a hint system, and that is a nice touch, especially when you want to get through the story. Well, the thing that I fell in love with from the first moment with Growbot is the graphics. Wabasabi Games, the main developer behind the game, clearly has a great background in illustration, and it really, really shows in Growbot. You know, the characters, they're intricate, and the environment designs are rich, and they're full of character. This also helps with the world building in relation to the NPCs. You know, you really feel empathy towards the characters because of the detail on their faces. Well, the audio works really well with the illustration, and that's not too heavy and it keeps you moving, and offers a pleasant partnership with the visual design. You know, overall, it's a feast for the eyes and also the ears too. Growbot is an entertaining point-and-click adventure with a touching story, so the visual design and the sound combined often remind me of something like the Moomins, so it's a game that manages to connect to that inner childlike wonder. The game isn't super long, and I was entertained throughout, and if you're a fan of the point-and-click genre, then I'd definitely give it a go. Well, the game was developed by Wabasabi Games. It was published by Application System Heidelberg. I do have to thank Application Systems for a preview key for this game. It's available for PC via Steam, and the original release date was October 2021. Well, that is it for my review of Growbot, but next up we've got another indie gem, and this one comes from the team from Motion Twin, and this one, well... It's Nuclear Blaze. Nuclear Blaze is a new 2D puzzle platformer from one of the creators of Dead Cell. So you take on the role of a fireman and there's a sprawling blaze at an abandoned warehouse and you have to put it out. This one was a surprise to me. It came out of nowhere and it is a whole lot of fun. Well, at the start of the game, you're in a chopper overlooking the disaster that's taken place, and the gravity of what's happened isn't immediately clear. It's only when you venture deep into the first level, you find the nuclear warning. So you exit the chopper. In the first few minutes, you're learning the core mechanics of spraying water on the fires to put them out. And at first, your movement is restricted to simply left and right with a fire hose, although quickly new skills like the dodge roll and pointing the hose in different directions opens up to you. It's a good thing too because this fire is raging hard, so in each room you go into where walls are falling down, there's a backdraft behind closed doors, and there's danger around every turn. So Nuclear Blaze was created by Sebastian Bernard, a member of the Motion Twin team behind the massive indie hit Dead Cells. So you can immediately tell when you start playing Nuclear Blaze, and the controls are tight, the pixel art is gorgeous, and you can feel the experience in solid gameplay. So you play as one of the firemen, but you venture off alone into a busted old warehouse to investigate the fire a little bit further. So at the start, your colleagues are battling the fire outside, but you venture into the building to investigate on your own. One of the core mechanics in Nuclear Blaze is the fire hose itself and the water refill mechanic. So you only have a certain amount of water, and every now and again, you'll see refill stations which you have to stand near to refill your water. And it means you have to be careful about how much water you use to quash the fires, Otherwise, you're going to run out quickly and the fire is going to overpower you and kill you pretty quickly. There's a game where you're going to die a lot, but it's also one of the main teaching mechanics in the game, much like Celeste or, of course, Dead Cells 2. Nuclear Blaze is actually a series of puzzles, so when you enter a room, the area will be in the dark and you've got to find your way through by finding keys or other items that open up rooms 
or navigate flame-lit corridors that make your way through to the other side. Subjectives are mixed in there and make sure you don't feel too comfortable. For example, you've got a timer countdown, we have to turn off a few reactors in a room before you can exit. And generally you can't open a door until you extinguish all the fire, so make sure you're putting out the fire as you go. So you're constantly on the comms with control, and they're giving you all the info about the fire, and you're relaying back to them your findings. It's a neat way to tell the story, and helps build up the tension, especially when you start to find the nuclear signs, and as you go deeper into the levels, comms gets harder and the radio signals can't get through, but there's more world building here too with notes left behind, and it gives you a really good sense of the characters who were here in the facility before the fire broke out. So there's no complicated items or RPG mechanics in Nuclear Blaze. The game is fairly simple in terms of objectives, but it's far from simple in terms of gameplay. So, so it may have been created by one of the Dead Cells team, but that's really where these similarities end. You know, your job is a simple one. Tackle the blaze, put out the fire and solve the puzzles as quickly as you can, all the while trying not to die. Well, the art in Nuclear Blaze is great. You know, I'm a big fan of the pixel art style and the environments that help build the sense of tension. The audio is simple and straightforward, although the music should be called out as being absolutely excellent. You know, the music drives you forward, providing a nice little beat, and it works really well alongside putting out that fire. Well, the fire effects are really interesting too, so when you think you've put the fire out and then all of a sudden it starts burning away again, so it's a really decent realistic depiction of what a burning building would be. You know, there's red, there's orange, and there's a yellow haze on the screen when things start to heat up, all adding up to that sense of danger. There's moments in the game where the roof caves in that really makes you sit up straight in your chair and pay close attention. So Nuclear Blaze is a simple game in scope, but it's a game that's executed really, really well. You know, it knows exactly what it wants to be and gets straight to the point within minutes. You can definitely see its origins as a game jam game in the gameplay. It's direct and gets you into the action immediately. Now, I enjoyed the game for what it is. You know, it's not something that I'm going to spend 100 hours on. But not all games have to be like that, you know, I like the fact there's no items, upgrade paths or skill trees, just a fireman trying to put out a dangerous fire. I'd recommend giving Nuclear Blaze a shot, it's really good fun, puzzles can be tricky at times, and this one definitely isn't a walk in the park. And thank you to the PR team for providing a review copy of the game for this review. Well, the game was developed by Deep Night Games and also published by Deep Night Games as well. It's available for PC via Steam and was released on the 18th of October. 2021. Well that is it for my review of Nuclear Blaze, but next up, let's have a look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. So on the 2nd of November we've got a few games we've got unpacking, that one's coming out on Switch and PC, and we've got World War Z, that one's coming out on Nintendo Switch. On the 3rd of November, we've got Bloodshore, that's PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S and X, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, iOS and Android. So that's nearly a full house. Then on the 4th of November, we've got a few titles, so Just Dance 2022, that's on PS5, Xbox Series S and X, Xbox One, Switch and Stadia. We've got The Binding of Isaac, that's Repentance, coming out on Xbox Series S and X. We've got Where Cards Fall, that's coming out on Switch and PC. Then on the 5th of November, we've got Animal Crossing New Horizons Happy Home Paradise DLC. That's coming to Nintendo Switch. We've got Call of Duty Vanguard. That's coming on PS5, Xbox Series S Next, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We've got Let's Build a Zoo. That's coming out on PC. And then on the 9th of November, we've got Airborne Kingdom. That's coming out on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S Next, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch. Also on the 9th, we've got Disney Classic Games Collection. 
That's PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Then we've got Football Manager 2022 coming on Xbox One and PC. Also on the 9th, we've got Forza Horizon 5. That's Xbox Series S and X, Xbox One and PC. And then we've got Jurassic World Evolution 2. That's coming on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S and X, PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC. Then on the 11th of November, we've got Grand Theft Auto, the Trilogy, the Definitive Edition. That's PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S and X, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. That's coming out on Switch on November the 11th. Also on the 11th, we got The Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim Special Edition. That one's coming out on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S and X. Then we have Shin Megami Tensei V. That one's coming out on November the 12th. And that is coming to Nintendo Switch. Well, that is it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, then get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website. Now send in your questions, your comments, and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you, and I'd love to read out your question or your story on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for watching or listening, and for more This Week in Video Games content like this, like, subscribe, and share with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description, and you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking it and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Well, thanks again. I'll see you soon.